0: get undressed hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of get undressed today i'm in london and i'm recording an episode with the amazing ed who created artikami hello hi <laughs> i'm really excited to have you on the I'm podcast excited.
1: thank you very much for having me
0: thank you yeah. for coming
1: no it's a pleasure anytime
0: you know it's really it's really weird how fashion goes because i found out about your brand through I think a friend of yours who a hairstylist, Chris, and oh, Chris was it Chris Long? Yes, oh, ages ago. And yes. then I was like, this brand is iconic, and you sent something for one of my clients. And then fast forward, I was in I was in the showroom yeah. doing a press day, and the brand is here, and I'm like, I really want to get him on the podcast. And they yeah. were like, say no more, he's in the building.
1: Yeah, they summoned me upstairs, <laughs> and then the rest is history.
0: so i want to start with the basics sure how did you get into fashion and how from fashion did you get into the idea of having a brand Mm
1: -hmm. so i got into fashion from a young age i used to ask my grandmother if i could take clothes out of her wardrobe and redesign them and stick gems on them and feathers and crystals and glue them and all sorts of things so it was obviously in there as a child
0: were you telling her your clothes are boring i'm gonna not make them all. better or? no
1: not at all i was rummaging around trying to find like a net skirt or some sort of anything that was especially those you know those sequins yes. kind of like 80s things yeah they, they were my favorite in particular because they were extremely sparkly so anything sparkly i was w- well into so i've always had a thing for costume and clothes mm-hmm. and you know anything sparkly so i when i went to when i finished school um i wanted to do something in costume and it just happened organically that i started working for a costume company and designing i didn't start designing but um i started helping um with latin ballroom freestyle costumes so you know latin ballroom like like strictly like yeah costume so i did that and ended up doing that for about 15 years and then i worked my way up um and became just below the creative director um, as like a head designer or one of the head designers, and I was doing you know ostrich feathers, rosy crystal, one-off pieces and gowns. Um, it was quite a big brand at the time in in ballroom and last. What was the know. brand? It was called Stones. Yeah. And um, we did yeah we did a lot of uh, kids um, costume as well mm-hmm. for like like mini strictly yeah. ballroom type yeah. stuff, and yeah that was kind of where it started. And then organically from there, um, you know, I wanted to go into fashion fashion and it just never really happened. And it was only about four or five years ago that um, my then boss um, was like, you know, why don't you do something and we can, you know, springboard off of the existing customer base of um, the costumes. And, you know, we can offer a product that we can do at events and, you know, the ballroom uh dancing festivals we do, Blackpool Tower and things like that. So we came up with Arctic Army together. Um and yeah, it kind of went from there. It started off as like a side hustle and then it kind of grew quite serious. Um quite quickly. Quite as quickly, well. yeah. It never intended to be quickly. It was kind of like a bit of like substitute the income kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the first weekend we did the coats. Um we just found a, a small independent supplier. Um, we basically added our branding to things that already existed right yeah. at the beginning. This is yeah. like right at the beginning. And I think we sold like 50 or 60 coats in one weekend. And Wait, we w- so
0: you just go to, you show up to the event and you're like, here are my coats. Yep. Do you want to buy them? And yep. that's a ballroom event yes, that correct. has literally nothing to do with correct. outerwear because correct. it's quite the yep. opposite. Yep. And people yep. go like, yeah, they I'll went
1: nuts. We were putting them out. I mean, it was just before Christmas as uh-huh. well, so there was that kind of like it, the kind of customers that we had were very much all about their kids. It was all about looking the best and having the best costume and the 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 sparkliest. It's very thing. competitive. Very competitive. Yeah. Um, it's very much like you see in these these TV programs, like baby boring, you know, all it. tanned, I and, it. yeah, <laughs> bows in the hair, and like you know, yeah. little kids. And we we did like baby pink fur trims and you know all like fluffy cute colours yeah. and pastel colours and it just went boom like we couldn't we couldn't make enough of them. We sold about fifty or sixty in the first weekend. Then we were taking orders every day for more and more and more and we were like, hang on a minute. I think we might be on something here. Um and then it kind of grew from there. And it wasn't until we started a website and You
0: you didn't even have a website. We didn't even have a beginning. website.
1: No we were selling them over Instagram DMs over the phone at events did you have
0: like a crazy following on instagram at the time nothing zero so it's just like it literally went viral because of the product
1: i think the viral thing came later Uh but it was the kind of already existing base of people that we had who were already fans of the other brand um that helped us start that company you know helped us start that company and then very quickly we moved away from that and we thought you know if we want this to be more for the general public, it needs to be a little bit more toned down. Maybe we don't need to do as much, you know, pink and pastel. And we need to think what the general public would want rather than just this small group of people, yeah. which is when we redesigned the logo, we made it a bit more sleeker. That's when I found out about the, the brand. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in the early stages, we were then finding suppliers and things like that. We started the website and it just went from boom to super boom. Um, with the help of Instagram, you know, we were doing loads of gifting. We were sending it to everyone and anybody at that point. We were went, you know, it, it still hadn't sunk in that this could be a proper business and that it was going to be real. It was just kind of like, wow, this is just happening. And, you know, I never sat out going, I want to be the next Montclair. I want to be the next, you know, Moose Knuckle or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it happened organically purely organically and it wasn't until quite far along that i thought hang on we need to start taking this seriously and treating it like an actual business and you know start putting some um what's the word some sort of infrastructure in place um and getting some you know a warehouse or not a warehouse but just a small um space which we started off with it was an old disability center where it sold like um ride on mopeds and bikes (laughs) and stuff on the high street in like near bristol and we just blanked the windows out it was cheap as chips and you know we started hustling really it was like it was hustling was it
0: just the two of you
1: it was me and my business partner and then um my boyfriend he came in and started helping out then we hired somebody to do social media part-time um and it just kind of happened like that then my mum would help out My mum is an entrepreneur. She's had her own businesses for years. Um, She retired. And then once she'd retired, it was quite good having someone on board who had run businesses. And she was like the... um,
0: She almost the the advisor, no? The
1: advisor, yeah. the, The one who was like, you shouldn't really be... Buying, you know, <laughs> stupid things. <laughs> don't buy things. that. So You can't buy shoes on the company card. You know, I mean yeah. things like that, which I didn't know about. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know when I started that when you get to a certain point you have to pay VAT.
0: Ah, I found out the hard yes, way. Yeah, I
1: did too. Yeah. Yeah, we had to backdate it, and then we were like, yeah. you know, you, nobody. No one tells you, you about that. that. No. no
0: one tells you about that. I went to fashion school, and no yeah. one told me what it's like to start a business or what it's like to hire people and basically nothing they told me you're going to be the king of the world and then as long as you can do a great design and then i came out and i was like you could do the best design in the world but if you don't have the right management skills and business skills then your product will never be seen
1: agreed agreed and i think i've learned so much because you know as much as the, the brand has become a great success i have had to um i have to learn the hard way with a lot of yeah. things whether it be that or whether it be you know uh all sorts of things yeah. so I, I can't think of examples right now but you know i've made so many mistakes so so many same, mistakes same. you know but
0: you learn from the mistakes, learn
1: from the mistakes same. yeah 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 completely and um i think that's the only way to do it because so many people told me not to do things and i was just like i know better mm. i know better shut up you know, especially my mom, my poor oh, mom, yeah. and mm, I just I'm like shut up.
0: Yeah, and then you're like, <laughs> you were right, but don't tell me I told you so yes. because I don't want to hear it. The yeah. fact that I realize it is enough.
1: Yeah, and then eventually you're like, okay, you
0: right. And then you're like, mom, can I ask you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: completely. And yeah. so,
0: why did you think of doing outerwear?
1: Well, I think it was around the time when, you know, the kind of Mr. and Mrs. Italy Parkers were like a big thing yeah. and they had like the big colourful fur trims. I would love, I wanted one of those so badly and they were like £3,000 and I was like, there's no way I can afford Mm -hmm. a £3,000 Parker jacket, but I wish there was. So, you know, we talked about it and we were like, "What could, could we do something where we could do an affordable version where maybe the... The trim was real fur and the inside was faux fur, you know, and it it looks and feels the same Well, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. And, you know, that was where it came from. And again, it's one of those things, everybody needs a coat.
0: So it really is, you thought about a product that you would want to have and that you couldn't have. And then is that product something that is useful in everyday life and that people would be able to buy no matter what the background country correct yeah
1: yeah and we actually did very well at the beginning in all all of all of the countries in europe like it was huge in germany especially like that was i think that was what took us to the next level again is when we started promoting on instagram um and facebook adverts and we could reach out to you know italy france where you know that style of parko is very popular
0: in france i know no one that doesn't have that style of parka and it's literally from you know when you are a baby and a kid your parent Mm. get it for you and then through your teens you get one because it's fashionable and you know and then you get one later because you're like fuck it i'm cold and i want to be comfortable and then it's kind of something that has got into the fashion world where it's very accepted you don't yes. need to just be wearing like a long normal coat you Correct. can wear something a bit crazier
1: yeah agreed and i think it wasn't till later on they got a little less um crazy yeah you know it wasn't too i i'm more for crazy like uh, my dress sense as a kid has always been or as a teenager more is always more. more is more yeah, yeah. less is poor <laughs> Less is more. <laughs> poor. Poor. I love Less that. Is poor. Um, yeah. So that was kind of my motto. But then what I realized—it took a long time. Again, this is another yeah. one of my mistakes. I realized that you know the badge doesn't have to be this big. You know, it, the badge over time the badge has got smaller, <laughs> and the sales have gone up. You know, yeah. and I'm like, oh, maybe not everybody wants like a saucepan badge. size badge on their arm. Um, and you know, the fur has always been huge, which people seem to love. Yeah. So we've always kept that the same um but it's always been about more is more whereas now we realize that you know to get to that point where you're super successful and you have uh a lot of um commercial presence across uh yeah sorry i've lost my train of thought there.
0: to get super successful and to get a lot of commercial presence yeah. like basically it's like adapting the you need brand to adapt yourself yeah. and
1: you can't just do what you like of course you can do a couple of styles that are a bit crazy mm-hmm. um which in reality nobody really buys um, but it's good for editorials. But it's good for editorials. Yeah. You know, we used to do the big black and white stripey coats, yeah. the wraparound ones, which you know we had. Um, maybe was it Chris Jenner, Courtney Kardashian wearing them? Um, you know, we've done all sorts of editorial stuff. We did. We also used to combine the idea of um the dance costumes and the coats, and we did some Swarovski crystal ones, which were like one-off pieces, and we did them for like Becky G she she wore it in her dollar music video that got over a billion streams. Um, do you
0: see something when when your piece is worn into something that goes as mainstream and as viral, do you see, you know, a comeback in sales? In and do you really see like yourself booming like that? Or you see yourself booming more if like, let's say a Molly May was it? Completely. Really?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, we did... Um, uh Saweetie's video tap in yeah. she wore a pink custom piece that was
0: iconic that was
1: iconic yeah completely Swarovski crystals we've done a shanty uh Christiana's worn stuff there was no uplift really in sales um but yeah you get certain people um certain influencers mm-hmm. who are more relatable and but and it goes boom and you get you know you can see the sales completely like straight away more organic yeah Yeah, he needs to be organic for those days of paying somebody to wear a jacket and doing a post and the sales going ching 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 really that just doesn't happen anymore
0: you don't pay people to wear a jacket we've never
1: paid anyone we we did it once yeah and it didn't work
0: and do you do you think it didn't work because people could see it was a commercial completely
1: hashtag ad hashtag yeah that's not how you know that's not how people want to buy things anymore Mm -hmm. because it's so saturated like i see something and it's hashtag ad i'm just like "Mm."
0: you want to be influenced by something that's natural i
1: want someone to wear it i'd rather they wore it and didn't tag it yeah organically for a week you know on their stories and people recognize that logo and then they go what's this we've seen it in." and it it takes a while for that to happen you know it takes years repetitive people wearing it you know we we had a lot of success with um, grime music stars and it wasn't until I'd been in situations where I was in Flannels, for example, when we did the launch party and one of the guys on the floor was like, mate, your brand's sick. I've seen it for you know, on Bugsy Malone and I've seen it on, you know, all these guys, I missed and I've seen it in this video and this video. And people do take n- notice of it. Like, mm. I wouldn't think that people put the, put it together. Yeah. But it takes a while of seeing it in these different music videos.
0: It's the repetition.
1: Repetition. One picture, uh, unauthentic post that's like, 5S this doesn't work doesn't work anymore you know it, it needs authentic repetitive um it needs time you know yeah. people need to see it regularly for a long time and I feel like that's the only way nowadays
0: and do you think so obviously you said you were doing a lot of gifting at the time do you yeah. think the gifting helped getting the brand out or do you think there's a balance of well actually we lost a lot of money doing a lot of gifting and we didn't necessarily see a lot of you know yeah Uh, how how do you say like feedback from it Uh,
1: return on investment. return on investment or
0: do you think like the whole gifting thing is giving you a great return on investment
1: i think the gifting thing was what caused us to become successful at the Mm -hmm. beginning whether nowadays it is as um as good yeah but obviously you have to remember you know product that we um it would be a lot more expensive more expensive for me to pay someone you know some of these influencers who contact me They want, you know, tens of thousands of pounds to do one reel, which, you know, good on them. I'm not knocking that. That's good for them. But not for you. But not for me. You know, it doesn't work. We will not get that sale. We will not get that back in sales. However, for me to give away a coat, which, you know, the cost price of it isn't what the retail price is. It's a lot more. Even if I have to give away 20 coats and I get three back, I'm still saving, you know, thousands of pounds mm-hmm. so it, it works a lot better and i feel like we don't put pressure on anyone to post we don't say you know if you have this you have to do this and you have to do that we offer it as a gift and if they choose to post it that's great, great. that's i i don't mm-hmm. believe in that i don't believe in you know people have got to pay their bills you know it mm-hmm. influences it's their job if they if they want the coat organically and they like the brand, then by all means take a coat and mm-hmm. enjoy it. But we're not asking anything from you. We'd appreciate the support, and in return, you know, we support those people every year. We we give them gifting, we invite them to our events. You know, we make them part of the family. Yeah, they get, the get exposure from yeah, it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we support um, smaller influencers. You know, um, co- they contact us and ask for gifting. We'd love to help grow and people grow with us as like a Mm. community do you know what i mean
0: that's great and i think it's being part of a community is also something that's really important for people and you want to feel like you belong to something
1: agreed yeah yeah agreed
0: controversial question but obviously you've had a lot of celebrities wear your brand is there a moment in in the brand story where you saw people wearing it and you thought i really wish you were not wearing it
1: yes i'm not going to say any names no but but...
0: when that happens Mm so how do you deal with it
1: look i'm not taking myself super seriously i realized you know the brand is not chanel Mm -hmm. so i realized that you know everybody our products for everyone like i'm happy that people are wearing it there's certain people i'm a bit like oh you know certain like low budget reality stars who are like you know but i also appreciate them supporting us as a customer um and I feel like the brand is for everyone, so I'm not too precious about you know who's wearing it. Um, I obviously personally inside, there's you're a, like, you're uh, like
0: oh. um, would you detach yourself from that? You have
1: to. That's yeah. what I've learned from from being in business. I was very emotional for a long time um, with the brand. I'd become probably too intertwined with it, especially along the beginning when we kind of went boom, and then you know, when you go boom. With that growth comes boom. You have to buy more stock, which means you have no money and you know, you're know you turning over millions of pounds and you've never got any money and you just end up in this cycle of like no. stress where you're like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that?
0: I think the bigger you become, the more stress there is. And sometimes people don't realize that yeah. it's not because a brand is turning over millions that it's easy. No. I think, on the contrary, it gets harder and harder when completely. you're just selling on markets. Then you have some sort of control over your your quantities and your customers and all of that. And then when you start selling, I mean, even when you start selling in department stores, mm. this is a nightmare.
1: Completely, completely. I mean, we in our first wholesale season, we ended up in Harrods, Selfridges, Harvey Nichols, and Flannels
0: that's a lot for one one season season.
1: and the flannels in particular um obviously they've got 50 plus stores so that one order was you know doubled our revenue nearly it was it was massive so to support that we had to we didn't sleep for six
0: months
1: (laughs) more than six months you know i to be honest with you i've had on mental health the mental health conversation is quite mm-hmm. important here. I don't think I used to listen to brand owners say, you know, it's really stressful. It's a, a roller coaster. But it wasn't till I was in it that I realized that you you never realize how far you come. You always feel like it's never enough. It's never enough. And I used to be like, oh poor you boohoo, you know, the stress of, of the success of something. But you know, I as a result, you know, I it's it's led me to have um, massive anxiety. I take medication for it now, which mm-hmm. I'm proud to say it really changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I suffer with ADHD. I suffer, but, you know, I have got ADHD yeah. and I'm very dyslexic as well. So um, I find every situation is also more intense. Yeah. Um, and I think the combination of that with the stress of the business for me was, you it's know. It's a
0: recipe for disaster. Completely.
1: Yeah, yeah. completely. Um, there, were, there were times when I wouldn't get out of bed for days and, and yeah. on end, you know, it was... It's very stressful.
0: I think also there's this thing of when you start being successful and you've obviously waited like your whole, you know, childhood and then Mm. teenage years to become successful. And then one day you suddenly like it starts working out and like Mm. it, it, you know, it just booms. No one tells you about the fact that the moment it booms, instead of being like, fuck yeah, I've made it, you're like, what now? I'm mm. a total failure if it doesn't go like mm, up, up, up. And no one tells you about the fact that you can never complain. So if you no. say, Oh, I'm so tired, they're like,
1: This is part of it. You shouldn't
0: complain. It's part of it. And mm. then if you're like, I feel really stressed, they're like, Well, then quit your job. Yeah. It's kind of like no one never really thinks about that side of it. When, or even when you're in school, like I don't know about you, but no one ever told me when I would start working as a stylist that you need to make some time for yourself and you're, Private life, Mm. and that when you're gonna start traveling a lot, you need to take like melatonin. I think you say in English. Melatonin, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So when you're jet lagged, you're not so jet lagged, so it doesn't like you know affects you too much, and just like really stupid stuff like that, Mm. where eventually it catches up with you so fast Mm. that you're like, hold on a minute, what's happening to me, like. Everything I've ever wanted is happening yeah. right now and I'm not enjoying it. I'm dreading it. I don't want to get out of bed. I feel really depressed mm. and I don't understand why.
1: Yeah, completely. I, my biggest fear was my phone because I knew that I would go to bed and I'd be like, yeah. oh God, it's time for bed. Thank God I can put it on airplane mode. No one's going to send me a message. Uh-huh. It's gonna give but then me. in
0: the morning... And then in
1: the morning, you're like, I've got to turn it on now. And I used to be like, I just can't do it. I yeah. cannot turn on that phone because I know... I'm going to have a message from, you know, we were ha- like suppliers or something saying, you know, you need to pay for this now. We're not sending this until you pay this. You know, you're like,
0: it's a vicious it's circle. like a circle
1: and then you're just like a nervous wreck. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very stressful. It's very stressful.
0: And how did you find support?
1: So in the end, we found great support. We, we, um, we took investment in from a, an amazing company called Four Marketing um and they helped with our distribution. Um we we had an injection of knowledge, you know, that I had never experienced, you know, of, of that of a, a huge corporation. Um and we got on board with them, they did our distribution for us and then later became, you know, pa- uh, partners in, in Arctic Army. And you know, they took us to the next level really. Um and I think that's how we kind of went from being an independent brand. Like we had a, a office in Bristol um with that small office later on from that we we got a warehouse uh 4 000 square foot we did it all up we had distribution center there um we had a, a studio photography studio yeah. in-house offices so we, we were doing really well um they came on board um you know they supported us we got investment from them you know they knew all about how to so, to do the distribution and you know even things like you know, when you do a massive order, I remember our first big, big order that we did of stock. Um, or like a serious order, you know, like, and we had this warehouse and we were waiting for the lorries to arrive who were bringing the, the thing. And I was thinking it was going to be like a, just like a normal, like, well, anyway, two massive 10 ton, like, super huge lorries. But
0: and, could they actually park in front?
1: Yeah, because it was a warehouse. Oh, okay. But... There was like four of us,
0: uh, yeah, and so it was you on pallet it.
1: And it was like it took us like two, two, three hours to do half a truck. Yeah, it was like it was just never ending, and like just physically see that amount of stock in in the flesh. I was like, boom! Like, how can we, yeah. how can we process all this? Like, we didn't have the infrastructure. We didn't have. I didn't have the knowledge to know that you know that many in your outerwear is big
0: yeah and it's heavy it's heavy you you can only get
1: five pieces in a box Mm -hmm. so you know when you're holding thousands of pieces you've got multiple lorries and tons of clothes and you know it's hard to (laughs) compute
0: i can see you in the middle of the boxes, like oh "Oh." "Oh, no
1: (laughs) i was like pulling my hair out that's
0: the moment where you go hello mom (laughs) yeah oh she was there don't (laughs) you worry she had
1: she had she's like the head of the ticking off list (gasps) she's like tick tick um yeah so that was uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, but, you know, we we got the infrastructure from becoming part of a bigger organisation. Um, you know, it, it helped us. We can use their legal team Ew. and, you know, things like, uh, you know, things I hadn't done. Like, I, I'd trademarked it, but not in every country around the world. You know, you don't think you have to do that, but you do because you don't want somebody... Have in- you
0: had issues like that where you... Um- you know you wake up one morning and you see one of your product that is not your product Correct. and that's a counterfeit yeah we yeah. have had
1: that we had a website that was um just stealing our pictures and um you know doing adverts iconic for like a quarter of the, but the, the jackets were like 29.99 <laughs> so i know that they're going to order them and you're not going to get anything did at people all.
0: get in touch with you being um, like is that the real jacket or i ordered the jacket yes, it arrived and it's not good yes. and you're like. You did not order it from yeah, me
1: you didn't order it from me yeah that has happened yeah that has happened a lot um more towards the beginning mm-hmm. um when we were kind of just you know winging it but yeah latterly not so much um but yeah that was that was a, another learning curve you know you need to do your ip around the world rather than just in the uk um which costs a hell of a lot of money but i didn't realize yeah it's you know, you so expensive it, it, every country you know you have to do and you have to deal directly with that country Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not just like one website where you can just do it all no online. no it's each country, one after the yeah, other. Yeah, it's one after the other multiple people you need like uh, a legal team of people and who, translate ooh, you and they translate. need to translate it all um and you know what we actually discovered is when we were um we were copywriting it people had tried to copyright the name in other countries
0: so i've had that with the podcast yeah, 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 yeah. and my name my own yeah. name and i was like so I need to buy my name back yeah, yeah, yeah. for a website
1: and you have to argue with them for yeah. like ages to buy and you're
0: them. like but it's me it's, but my, it's, me. it's my name. you can't yeah. do that
1: and there's certain countries and they're just like mm-hmm. like they don't care
0: and do you feel like so obviously this you know I think it's a very inspirational story you start yeah. a brand and it booms and then suddenly it puts you on the map in the world of fashion mm. how is that when you suddenly arrive in a world because you come from the ballroom which is very different and then all of a sudden you are in a world that's very well it's very snobby let's face it
1: totally yeah i've always been quite um uh i've always been in london a lot so i've got a lot of friends in the industry so i've always been around there i've always been you know at the parties and doing things Mm. like that so i've always had that sort of weighing that, that connection yeah. with people you know from a young age i was in london going to you know i used to go to circus and you know all over the clubs and
0: did these people that you had from a young age support the brand
1: 100 percent. yeah i've got some, some great friends who who will buy from harrods rather than buying you know not friends that say oh can i have a discount yeah or, you know these are friends who go into harrods and go i bought an exclusive harrods piece like that's amazing I, that's really that that means a lot to me like I really appreciate that you know and I um, think it's
0: it also means they understand
1: completely yeah the
0: hassle behind the job and yeah, yeah, yeah. what the price in a way reflects
1: agreed yeah a hundred percent I think it's just a I think you should always support your friends and you know you don't it doesn't have to be loud you know you can mm. you can su- support your friends by buying something or by listening to something or promoting something without them even asking you to do mm-hmm. it you know and that's why i i really appreciate that and i have had that a lot so i do appreciate my Absolutely. friends for that. yeah it's really nice it is really nice obviously you have the other side of it where yeah. some people don't do that but yeah know, yeah whatever
0: and so i mean i look at you and i see one one of the first thing i've seen when we met was yes. you love
1: jewelry i love jewelry yes and you love
0: fashion
1: i love jewelry i love fashion
0: and so how does your relationship through fashion changes once you have a brand because once you have a brand you know how much it costs to do something Completely. you realize about the quality and the finishing and all of that did that affect yeah. what you wear 100%, and how you shop?
1: 100 i used to be a fashion victim when it came to expensive t-shirts mm-hmm. like i would go and spend a stupid amount of money on a balenciaga t-shirt or you know a t-shirt like that mm-hmm. whereas now I know from I'm probably not allowed to say that, but I know that there's some some brands, let's say some brands yeah. um, that make their products in the same factories as we use. Yeah. Uh T shirt wise. Of course they might use a different fabric, but it's I've been to the factories when they've been making the product and I've seen it with my eyes in the same, you know, dye wash house or whatever. Yeah. And the t shirts are going in the same drum as the t shirt that I am making, but that t shirt is like eight hundred pounds yeah. for t shirt. And the, our t-shirts are like, you know, 90 pounds. So I know how much that t-shirt costs to make. And I'm like, there is no way I'm I gonna would
0: spend the money on, on that. a t-shirt. No. Yeah.
1: It's just that for me is done that whole expensive t-shirt with a print on. And I'm, I'm over that. Um, I like to invest in things that I'm gonna wear mm-hmm. for a long time, especially bags.
0: Yeah. I
1: love bags. But a I'm,
0: bag is an investment nowadays. A bag
1: is an investment. I love bags, I've always loved bags sorry hiccups um yeah bags are a big thing for me uh and clothing wise i'm a bit rubbish like i might buy st- I, I don't mind buying really like like i said like a statement piece yeah but then when it comes to like jeans i just won't buy expensive jeans i just buy of zara jeans but then i'll mix with like you know a, a zara t-shirt zara jeans but then a really nice jacket like, you know, some a Valentino jacket or mm. something, a hoodie. I love hoodies. Um, I always feel the most comfortable in a hoodie, like a really nice mm. Dior hoodie or something that's a real investment in like a towel fabric.
0: And yeah, and, and it thick. feels
1: luxury and really thick and heavy. And, you know, I treat that hoodie like my special going out hoodie. I, I don't just wear it to like, you know, in the day. I would wear it to go for dinner rather than getting dressed up and wearing a shirt. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I would love to wear an expensive hoodie. And a pair of you know Zara jeans yeah, I would rather have one hoodie that I've spent a lot of money on that then I look after hoodie. and take it to the dry cleaners because I'm too skinny yeah. to <laughs> and um yeah I mean that is that is yeah for me I'd rather spend investment pieces mm-hmm. but yeah I'm really bad things like pants I just have like a phobia of buying pants <laughs> I'm like oh, I hate buying it. it's such a waste of money <laughs> but I'm like oh love that. do your hoodie that's fine <laughs> <laughs> <I love> that. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's um that that whole t-shirt thing. Actually, I can't say it cuz when I was in fashion school, mm-hmm. there was a teacher who was supposed to, well, she was teaching us about production. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, "I'm going to give you a list of the brands that you should go shop at and a list of the brands that you shouldn't go shop at." Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go in those stores, you're going to have a look at the clothing, the finishing and everything. Look at the tag and see where it's made and then at the next class come back and where i'm going to explain to you why this mm. is on the no list and why this is on the yes yep, list
1: yep, yep.
0: number one at the time i'm old i'm 37 so we are talking about something that's like same age as me, 17 years old. ago well you know <laughs> um i feel great yeah, to be honest too. i feel better now than i thought when i was 20 so um and she goes number one on the list is again voltaire okay and at the time, that again, Voltaire in Paris was killing it. Everybody wanted to buy yep. this brand. The marketing around it was absolutely amazing. The campaigns were mm. amazing. You know, it was that time of those jerseys that had those like, um, well, actually those cashmere jerseys that had those oh, wings. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like they were a bit slouchy. They were amazing. Yep. And so we go there and she's like, you shouldn't buy there because the quality is not that. Blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Fast forward, I start working as a designer in Spain and I was doing f- bags and accessories yeah. for a brand called Gloria Ortiz, which was part of the Corte Inglés, which is kind of like, I
1: know, yeah, yeah.
0: you know, El Corte Inglés. So it's like this, th- to explain it a little bit in context, this is like a big Spanish multi-brand store where you can buy things from brands and then you can buy things from their own brand.
1: Like John Lewis. Le-
0: exactly. That's yeah. like the John Lewis of Spain. Yeah okay so fast forward i'm now a designer and i have to deal with production issues yep. and i'm sending out my technical sketches to the factory in india and and then my boss goes on a trip and she comes back with loads of stuff from them and i'm like what she's like yeah so the scarves that we were making and that we were selling through courting for like 25 quid Where they were actually doing scars to Zadig and Voltaire and for other brands that were selling that at like 400 quid, which was like it's the same, it's just a different tag. And that's when I clicked, I was like, okay, Mm. so not everything is actually worth the money. So when people tell you, like, when people argue with you and say, well, Hermes is not worth the money or the Chanel bags are not worth the money, it's like there's actually a very quick and simple explanation of why that bag is worth the money that it's Mm -hmm. worth because there really is someone sitting behind it doing it like hand by hand. But then all these things about the T-shirts, like it's so true. But those prices have gone up and up and up and up and people are like, I'll buy it. And it's like, but why?
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think that's all, I think that's, I think if you people in brands were honest, I think probably when it comes to ready to wear the only thing people really buy in any sort of volume is a t-shirt yes like you know because
0: it's it's also the um entrance point to the brand it is
1: yeah it's like the gucci belt completely it's the gucci belt of the ready to wear yeah world Yeah. yeah so i understand why it's there it has a purpose but for me like now i've seen behind the scenes i just can't yeah yeah different with bags you know you know there's an artisan behind that who's made it from start to finish it's an investment you know it's y- you could keep it for five years yeah it's not the same it's, you know it's not the same as a t-shirt you wash it a few times and it's kind of like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: you know it's like misshapen and yeah. weird but yeah
0: ed it's been an absolute pleasure Likewise, to have you on the podcast thank you very much and i'm pretty sure that people are going to be amazed at the story of the brand and also i think it's great to see a little bit of behind the scenes of a different way of growing as a brand
1: yeah thank you
0: so thank you so much for coming and sharing oh, your no, story you about that me.
1: thanks
0: can you tell us where can we find you where can we find the brand social media stores, everything
1: okay so arctic army is a www.thearcticarmy.com um and we are in all of the flannel stores uh online flannels uh, we're now in the House of Fraser as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's uh, go check it out. Go check it out.
0: It's really exciting. <laughs> thank you so
1: much. Thank you.
0: Guys, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Get Undressed. I'm really excited about this episode. And I think you will learn a lot from it as I did. You can find Get Undressed on Spotify, on YouTube, on Adel Studio. And then you can find me on Instagram at Adel Please drop us a comment, let us know what you thought of the episode and subscribe and follow. Thank you. Au revoir.